podcasting the final audio frontier. These are the legends of Brown Squadron. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. Here, sir, you, you better take a look at it. The ongoing mission to explore the Star Wars universe and other nerd culture topics, to seek new content and new cantinas, bars, and lounges, to boldly annoy Scruffy by making too many bad jokes. Welcome to the Hyperspace Heroes Podcast. So, uh, so Doc, what'd you think about that uh, intro? Oh God, that was me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was it's got to be a nickname for one of the other guys. I would just say, no, oh, it, no, was, no. it was compelling, I thought, and uplifting and, and moving in its own way. Um, so that gives you all, any number of opportunities to try and find find a way to sculpt something around that. <laughs> <laughs> Scruffy, I sent him I sent him the uh, new intro, show intro to... Uh... I, you know oh, what? I listened awesome. to the music and I thought it was a compelling mix of Star Wars and uh, Bonanza. And who wouldn't want that in their lives? Oh, I like that. I like that comparison. Uh, yeah, I like that. that. Dun, 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 yep. Element to it going on under the bottom, and I thought, you know what? This is this has got a rhythm to it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, we I was going for something kind of retro sounding and a little upbeat, and uh, but yeah, now it makes sense. The bonanza. Yeah, it does. Well, this it does sound like Trek. <laughs> what I was imagining was like the, the 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 map of the Star Wars galaxy just slowly burning out from the center of it, like the beginning of Bonanza, with that music going on under the bottom. Oh, that is, oh um, that's awesome! That's a I'm great totally visual. fine with it. <laughs> Love it. All right, well, let's get into the show. Uh, and welcome to Hyperspace Heroes. This is Brown Leader signing in. Who else do we have tonight? Brown Two is here. Brown Four standing by. Brown Sixteen standing by. All right, welcome back. We've got uh, Brown Sixteen, uh, call sign Damati. Uh, Doctor Chris Kempshell is back with us to uh, join us on another episode of Hyperspace Heroes. How have you been, sir? i yeah, I've been good. Um, God, it, I'm, it was ages ago that we did the last one. It must have been like August or so last year, which was about five thousand years ago, um, as far as I can as I can recall in the dim and distant past. Um, <laughs> So I'm good. Yeah, I've been I've been super hyped for this because we, you know, we've had to kind of play around with some of the, the timelines and the like for it. But it's like, like yeah, I'm going to be doing Hyperspace Heroes in X number of days um, as it's been kind of slowly counting down for it. Well, very cool. Very cool. It's wonderful awesome. to have you back on. Uh, so we're going to talk about today. We thought we would talk about uh, because we're timely as usual. Uh, we thought we would do our Andor <laughs> Andor wrap things. up. <laughs> Well, you know, like you mentioned, scheduling conflicts, uh, but we wanted to bring you back on to kind of do our wrap up and or episode to talk about kind of the series as a whole. And in a way, we really kind of wanted to focus on the rebellion side of things today uh, yeah. to talk about, you know, because Andor kind of shows the, the birth of the rebellion. But um, we we never did. Uh, I don't think we did episodes on the last three right guys uh yep, so last this three is, 
yeah, so this is kind of our, uh, we didn't, uh, we never, we never got to joke about I can't swim uh, because hobbits can't, <laughs> be, because hobbits can't swim. And so, uh, you know, or the Darth Maul lightsaber ship or, you know, anything like that. So the, but yeah, uh, the show as a whole kind of, what were your thoughts on it? So, I mean, I knew that going into watching it, firstly, I was pretty sure I was going to like it beforehand, because, you know, the way that it had been sold and advertised and like it was, you know, it seemed to be very kind of directed at, you know, what I want, what I wanted out of it. Um, and there was an element of when I was going into it thinking, oh, you know, I've, you know, I finished the book that I came on to talk about with you last time, my, my academic history and politics Star Wars book. And then Andor was coming out. I think, oh, it would have been, you know, it would have been nice if the two had overlapped, but it's, you know, it, it, it's fine. I'll be, you know, I'll the book and then I'll, I'll watch a TV show and what I found interesting really early on was you know on on Ferrix you've got the guy with the hammers who kind of marks the time and he does the, the bonging noise and like it turns out that is also the exact same noise that my head makes when I bang it against a table watching the unfolding <laughs> history and political content that I wasn't able to put in my book um just week after week after week um not that you know I'm holding a grudge or in any way kind of ongoingly deeply burningly annoyed about it um you understand <laughs> no not at all no um and then when you get like uh you know tony gilroy gives interviews and the like and goes oh you know you isn't it interesting how cassian andor and this thing looks like this young picture of joseph stalin that we had or you know this whole kind of big funeral march we we based that on like funeral marches in northern ireland during the troubles there and it's just me you know hard cut to me at home going oh come on really <laughs> you couldn't have mentioned this a year ago or you know you couldn't have rushed this tv show out just uh. but aside from that i thought it was great i i super loved it and i super enjoyed it and i'm aware that some people have been kind of either using it as a critique or as a good thing that you could remove the star wars from andor and it would still stand perfectly on its own two feet as exactly what it is. Um, because, you know, there are no stormtroopers in it until like halfway through. You know, the, the things that we consider to be Star Wars-y are super minimized in various ways. And some people have gone, oh, you know, I want some Star Wars in my Star Wars, which I completely understand. But there's another element of it, kind of, it just made it scarier and it made it more interesting that, you know, you didn't need the Star Wars to overshadow the action. And that's one of the things I super enjoyed about Andor, that it was just compelling watching and was a Star Wars show. Yeah. No, it definitely had its moments. And uh, I think it definitely, you know, it filled in. It was a nice, um, uh, you know, we've always we've always talked about how we want other stories. We want different sides of it. It doesn't yeah. have to always be Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. Um, and how 56 of the Jedi survived Order 66 kind of thing, stories, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, there were definitely some, some, I mean, we, we've, we have, we've had some fun with the show and, and we've made our jokes about it, uh, but we. are <laughs> <laughs> walking and talking and walking and talking. And there's an element of, there's, you know, you can kind of, there's a fun way of doing that with virtually every Star Wars show. It's that thing that the, the yeah. second you start to critique it too closely, the whole thing starts to fall apart. There's always going to be that willing suspension of, and you know, Disbelief, this was more yeah. West Wing in space than than other things, but yeah. because it's West Wing on space, 
it's walking and talking and here's some exposition and here's another chat and here's a let's let's spend a little time standing in this field and talking about the the morality of something or other there's all you, you get that element to it yep. mm -hmm. absolutely uh scruffy i know you had a couple questions in terms of the show well my first question was just that uh, what did you think about it and did it live up to your expectations uh which sounds like for you it really did yeah, I mean, it's weird because I didn't know what my expectations were and it did things that I hadn't even properly considered and therefore, because I hadn't considered, I didn't know that I wanted it. But then when I put it on show, on the screen, it's like, I do want more of this. This does sound great. I do want, you know, some random teenager writing a political manifesto um, on an iPad um, <laughs> in, you know, next to uh, uh, what used to clearly be like a, a, a like a keep for goats or something like that. I hadn't realized that I wanted that, but now I, now I want to read his political manifesto because this sounds great. Um, and I, those types of, of decisions, because, you know, if you were to you know, really reduce it down to go, okay, we've got, we're like three or four episodes into this TV show. Actually, this series lasts longer than most Disney Plus Star Wars shows do. And we're going to dedicate, you know, a fair chunk of each of them to philosophical discussions about the merits of political violence. There's going to be a part of me that's going, and how gripping do you intend this TV show to be? Because, you know, it's Star Wars, so I'll watch it. But I do have my concerns, chaps, about, you know, the the, the, the pacing uh, of this. But it worked. And because it worked, I wanted more of it. And, you know, then, then it becomes easier to ignore some of the parts about it. They're like, oh, OK, yeah, 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 get with the show, get with the program here. Um, I think it was the most surprised I've been with a with a star wars show you know i really enjoyed obi-wan i wasn't surprised by it you know it was it, there was there was nothing that happened in that show that i was like oh i didn't see that coming um because you know obviously at some point i would have been more surprised if darth vader and obi-wan kenobi had not met each other in kenobi that would have been a, a, a bigger departure from the narrative that i was expecting but because andor i didn't know what i was expecting it made it easier for them to take me in a direction that I didn't know I wanted to go in. Um, and the fact that it was a super slow burn, I think they, I think it was smart of them to release the first three episodes all at once. I think if they'd have done that weekly, I think they'd have had a problem because that first three episode arc is a super slow burner. Um, and I think if they'd have done that weekly, they'd have lost a lot of people on the way because people this just isn't going anywhere. You know, how long can we spend just pondering whether or not it's a good idea to do this stuff on this planet with a bunch of people that I've never met and therefore don't care about? Um, but I think it was a, like a mini how-to guide of if you want to take your time, here's how you bring the audience along with you while you take your time. Um, and you've got to release this in a manner that allows people to be invested and not feel like their time's wasted. Basically, no one wanted Star Wars Lost. Um, which you know is the difference between a, you know a difference between a show taking its time and a show that has genuinely no godly idea where it's going, um, but knows that it has seven seasons to fill. So you know you better settle in, guys, because this is going to take a real long time. Well, I never thought of it that way. Okay, excellent. The Star Wars Lost. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to go back to a something a character you mentioned uh, just a moment ago, Nemec. So yes. Nemec and his Nemec and his manifesto. Where what would you who do you think the closest comparison to real world history would kind of compare to 
uh, in terms of, of Nemec. We, I mean, we jokingly called him a, you know, a, a Marxist and a communist, on, mostly yeah. because of mostly because of the word manifesto in his in his hat. But uh, the, <laughs> you know, obviously he's not. I mean, he's talking about more rebellion, not the the uh, politic body or anything. But uh, yeah, kind of what where who in history could you draw a comparison to? I think it's a really interesting question and a really interesting comparison. And weirdly, I saw people discussing this online when Nemec was appearing with his manifesto, talking about, you know, oh, this is weird because Nemec's doing a manifesto and manifestos we know from history are a bad thing. And weirdly, there's an American transatlantic divide between about the, the concept even of the word manifesto because when you have your elections it's not like okay here's the democratic manifesto here's the republican manifesto whereas over here in britain and in europe whenever there's an election each party puts out you know their their, their document about what it is they're going to do and it's called a manifesto you know here's all of our election promises and like here's our political ideology and the like whereas it, it sounds like it sounds almost flippant where my and certainly my understanding of of it in in america is that you know the times that you hear the word the word manifesto used is often in regards to some guy's done an awful thing with a bunch of guns and now his political document has circulated online and it's his manifesto for doing awful awful things so you have that weird connotation with it which just doesn't exist in in europe so if you take away that kind of that that weird di kind of that di Divergence with it. I mean, you can get you know people like Trotsky or Lenin or, or Karl Marx, like you know, writing a political you know theses effectively of a manifesto. Um, but you could also then get people like Che Guevara going like, you know, I've got some political ideas as well, and they are going to involve violence and they are going to involve resistance, and you know, this is how we're we're going to do it. So you do get that kind of Lenin, Trotsky, Che Guevara kind of left-wing communistic. Um, kind of revolutionary document within within Nemec's um, within Nemec's um, approach. But what I also find interesting as well, because then their manifesto takes on a left wing. Like, oh, it's something that left wing organisations right. And I've um, in the past, I've, I've kind of semi lost, lost contact with them now. I had some um, friends who were from Romania um, and who grew up either during or after the period of kind of communism in Romania. Um, and the people who wrote manifestos then to overthrow the government were what we would term right-wing conservatives because the party in power were left-wing communists and to therefore be a revolutionary against that is to be on the other side of the spectrum and weirdly the, the ideas of conservatism and, and, and rebellion and revolution kind of switch political, political axis. Um, so the, the, even the idea of a manifesto and a kind of a revolutionary document depends very much about what is it that you're writing against. Now, you know, we can easily recognise that the, the, you know, the Galactic Empire is intended to be an authoritarian, certainly in the kind of the post-Disney period, very kind of fascistic, Nazi-esque organisation. But with the, you know, with the with the infrastructure and that weird middle management that um that i find very funny and very engaging but also is is kind of that is in itself is very soviet um of you know there's endless paperwork everybody works in a little office and you're always doing what you're always doing something um which then again kind of plays around with it but i do see that kind of that historical che guevara trotsky lenin marx stalin to an extent that kind of amalgamation of 
people writing revolutionary documents at a particular time and it feels very kind of 1920s Germany Russia but also at the same time it can feel very 1960s Cuba or even kind of parts of South America as well and it's super interesting how none of that comes into conflict with each other it's not a problem that you could you know whip, you know pour a bit of Trotsky park or a bit of Che Guevara dump some marks on top stir it up in a big pot and it and it still kind of holds its function and and works and creates this compelling character and I think it it's, it works as a compelling character because Nemec is young because mm. it's he's, it's fine for him to do all of these things and have these ideas and he I love the line where he has this kind of mini argument he has with Cassian Andor where he's like oh so you're your view is this we're just supposed to be quietly grateful for what the empire is giving us and I like, do i look grateful to you <laughs> it's the immediate comeback it's like well no you, what, you look older and you look more aware of the, the the way that you survive within this system is actually it, it, it's a variety of pragmatic choices whereas nemic has the idealism of youth and right. you know it's partly what gets him killed but I, I, I think he's a, such a fascinatingly brilliant character if Lucasfilm do not publish that manifesto then they have less kind of business savvy acumen than I, <laughs> than I credit them <laughs> with because I think it will fly off the shelves when they, whenever mm -hmm. they put it in print oh absolutely yeah oh I, I mean right after that episode aired there were already you know uh, people were doing their own covers to the manifesto yeah. you know and that was really great um, no, that's thank you. That, that was let's great call answer. it Das Rebellion or something like that. <laughs> das Rebellion. <laughs> and, and I will buy uh, that right now. And yeah, I, I didn't realize that with with over there uh, on your side of the 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 pond with the whole yeah manifesto is a different connotation to the word because you're right that that's kind of the reaction we had to the word yeah. over here exactly the reaction because that is our 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 perspective. And it makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, Scruffy, you had uh, something else I know you wanted to ask. Yep. Okay, so one of the things that irritated me somewhat the most about the show was the character Cyril and the sudden sudden obsession, almost to the point of fatal attraction, to Deidre Mero. Uh, yeah. So where do you think that, that where do you think that's going? And, um, you know, I mean, we all know the ending. He ditched his bro to rescue her. Yeah, and you know we won't we won't go, we won't use that line right now, the bros before. But uh, so, what do you think about where do you think that relationship's going? If there is a relationship there, and what part do you think Cyril's going to play in this next season, in terms of with him and Deidre? So, here's a weird thing: from when that moment of when he basically starts stalking her, I was convinced absolutely like hardcore I will carve this in stone with my hands this is how this is going to play out that he was going to kill her at the end of the first series because mm -hmm. I thought they're basically creating like this creepy incel internet obsessive boy guy mm. and this is what it's going to be and she's going to reject him he's not going to be able to cope with it and he's going to kill her and that's what this storyline is going to be and then obviously it didn't play out like that so I was like wow boy was I wrong but not for the first time with that series was I wrong about where it was going but that's how I thought that was going to play out and part of me doesn't want to give that idea up yet that I think that they are crafting this weird obsessive element to his character that he has fixated on Deidre to the extent that the version that he has in his head 
it doesn't matter that it bears no reality with the actual woman because he doesn't know anything about the actual woman. All he's, you know, basically picked up from her is he's had a couple of conversations with her and then presumably a lot of time looking at her through night vision goggles. Um, neither of which are particularly <laughs> yes. healthy. Um, and, you know, certainly not a, <laughs> not a foundation for a strong relationship. Um, so how that's going to pan out, I'm not sure. I also, you know, I don't think that the 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 Empire is a conducive environment for a trusting relationship particularly not the Imperial Security Bureau as a foundation for a trusting relationship I don't think those people care about you know watching the backs of the people they work with um, so you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's an element of at some point you know it's going to be a common attention between you know loyalty to the Empire and loyalty to the other person and I think you know the Empire tells us that loyalty to the Empire is to be prized above loyalty to other individuals. So some form of betrayal, you know, not fully going through on loyalty bonds between that, but I don't know which direction that's going to go. Um, and maybe he is just going to turn into this creepy incel internet guy who's going who's gonna to kill her. Um, I mean, even when I was thinking that, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sure this is where it's going to go. There was like another voice in the back of my head going, that's a that's a pretty bleak way for this. I mean, you know, it's a pretty bleak series, but you know, how far down this road is Tony Gilroy planning on taking us? Um, so I don't know, but I don't, I don't think they're gonna, you know, both, you know, climb into an ATST and ride off into the, ride <laughs> off into the sunset. Um, I just, I just don't feel that's how that story ends. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I. Well, my thought was, uh, well, first of all, it just it just bugs me that really this has to be a part of this but okay fine it is um i think at some point in time she's gonna she's gonna deny him because uh she's just the type of person who doesn't need a man uh she doesn't need anybody uh she's gonna deny him he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice of his love and die doing something for her is where Mm -hmm. i'm thinking it's gonna go but i have no idea and it just bugs me anyway. <laughs> well, the thing is, if that's how it plans out, the way that it should be, you know, she dies him because my loyalty is to the Empire. He sacrifices himself in some way, pointlessly, and as a result, she gets promoted up a point on the pay scale. That's Ooh. how it should be, because it's that admi- Imperial admin of, oh, you know, yeah, he died so that you can make an extra buck fifty an hour pushing paper <laughs> for the Imperial Security Bureau. Good job, everybody. Good job. Yeah, and uh, my thought process was the same way as yours uh, early on. I thought that that was, yeah, he was going to come in at the end, uh, do something that was going to foil her plan in capturing Cassian and end up dying in the process, and or killing her, killing her in the process. Yeah, I, I, I had the same kind of uh, concept to that. Um, the... Uh, what was the next part? So, the... Uh, before we talk really kind of about the the raid on Aldani or anything like that, but let's let's uh, what did you think about in terms of you know I kind of had mixed feelings about Cassian's character in this whole show because it, it almost felt like even though the show was named after him, uh, he kind of became a secondary character to everything else going on around him. Yeah, I found that I found that intriguing and interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not to the extent of the book of Everybody But Boba Fett, um, you know, a TV show which had episodes where the, the four of us spent more time on screen than um, than Boba Fett did. Um, 
I thought it was interesting because Cassian is actually the least rebellious character in the rebellion yeah. um, throughout the, the film because he's not the one who's got like this, you know, anti-imperial ideology. That's Nemec or Luthen or um, Cassian's mum, who's Marva. Who, um, you know, those are the ones who have this burning anti-imperial fire within them, the same as Mon Mothma. Cassian is the guy who's trying to survive and is being thwarted in his attempts to survive by the Empire. So, you know, comes around through circumstance to, I actually need to actively do something against the Empire now. You know, even in prison, there were other characters in there who were more anti-Imperial than Cassian Andor was. Um, and I found that quite kind of intriguing and interesting because, again, it, it almost makes him a secondary character, but it makes him a secondary character in the Rebellion rather than in the show, in that actually the rebellion is something that's happening to other people. Cassian just keeps getting in the way. Um, in the same way that the Empire is, is trying to you know, go about its business, and Cassian keeps getting in the way. Um, so, when I then kind of, you then, okay, let's leap forward to Rogue One, when Cassian's saying, you know, I've been in this fight since I was 14 years old, or however old he says. So, well, you kind of have, but you kind of haven't, because you, you haven't believed in it, you've been involved in it through circumstances, but at what point did you buy into Empire destruction or bust? Um, and I think that's what we're kind of getting at the end of the series, and what we're probably going to get in season two, of, you know, Cassian not just going, okay, you know, I'll take a bunch of money and I'll shoot some stormtroopers in the face, or I need to get out of prison, so I'll shoot some army guys in the face. <laughs> or, you know, I need to go and see my mum, so I'll shoot some other Imperial guys in the face. Um, you know, that kind of the the, the, the pathway of, of least Stormtrooper resistance. Um, to going, actually, I am an agent of the Rebel Alliance, and I am now prepared to, to shoot people in the face as an occupation rather than as a hobby. Um, <laughs> and I think that's going to be interesting to see at what point he buys into this. God knows some of this. We might. Uh, good, good luck getting some of this through the edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is all great. So, Luthen. Uh, oh, before we get I, there, I got one question. Yes, yes. Do you think Kino survived the swim? <laughs> so I'm going to give a hugely disappointing answer. I don't want to know. Because... <laughs> It doesn't matter if he survived it or not. I, I, I'm happier not knowing than I will ever be in knowing. So whilst, again, I think it would be brave of them not to, to resolve that at some point in either season two or something like just part of me is like, just leave it alone. It is perfect exactly how it is right now. I, I never want to hear any other character mention his name or his fate ever again. Just leave it. Because it's perfect. It absolutely, is I, absolutely. We I just laughed because it was it was it was the most basic yet uh, shocking thing I've ever heard in Star Wars before. I can't swim, <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's in the water. Because I imagine you guys had the same thing of five seconds before he said that when he paused at the edge of the realization. Oh God, I can see what he's. I can see what the problem is yep. here, yeah. and just leave it. Just yep. exactly as far as I'm, he is he is Schrodinger's golem. He is yes. both alive and dead um, until <laughs> such point as we as we dredge the canal. Um, and I don't want to know either way. 
I agree. I completely agree. I never want to hear about the character again. Just leave it. And just, it's perfect. Perfect the way it ended. Absolutely. You know, um, I think this goes back to the realism of the new storytelling style of Andor, um, where we really get into relationships yeah. and people are coming in and out of your life. Mm -hmm just like they do in real life. You know, you work with somebody for two, three, five, ten years, but you don't necessarily know what happens yeah. to them uh, beyond that. Yeah, you might be the main character in your own life, but you're a, you're a supporting character in somebody else's. And I think it's the same here with the Andy Serkis mm -hmm. character. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's there just trying to serve out his sentence, get out of there alive, and return to his life. And then here comes Andor into his life and totally shakes things up. Uh, and when all is said and done, you know, we don't know what, what, what's happened to that character, uh, but he has served his purpose uh, within the story and within Andor's life. And that I think that's just like real life. Yeah. And, you know, when they broke out, you know, he knows, as you said, he's on a floating prison surrounded by water. He knows he can't swim. He knows mm -hmm. how this ends if he doesn't get shot. It's going to end stood on that platform telling everybody that he can't swim. Mm -hmm. But he he does it anyway because he might die before he reaches that point anyway yeah exactly and the, mm -hmm. the fact that he he drummed up the courage to to commit to it and to get to save everybody else's lives even though he knew you know his wasn't yeah uh, you know it's just that much more commendable for the character and also admirable consistency in imperial design for you know an organization that doesn't believe in handrails absolutely would not have a life ring on that <laughs> thing either so it, it, it ensures that the problem plays out that's hilarious <laughs> awesome um, didn't think of that <laughs> yeah there, there's a great meme that's popped up online recently uh, with it, it shows that final scene with Kino Loy standing there knowing he can't swim and somebody has photoshopped a, a big rubber ducky life ring around his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Luthen is an interesting character. I think Luthen became, uh, I know, one of my favorite characters. Uh, I think there's still a lot to be revealed about him yet uh, in the upcoming season. Um, but, you know, you have kind of two factors at play in terms of the rebellion. You've got uh, Luthen, who is, you know, kind of up there in the hierarchy, uh, in the existing, uh, structure of the government and everything in society. And you've got, you know, and he's working with Mon Mothma, um, a, who we finally <laughs> refer to as trust fund baby. And, <laughs> oh, don't get me started. <laughs> and the, uh, and then you have, Ferrix, you have the the quote unquote commoners, you know, you have the people, and so was wondering what you thought in terms of what really is the spark of the rebellion. Is it what Luthen's been doing, or is it the actions on Ferrix, the the final rise up of the people on Ferrix? I think. I think it's it's the pair of them working not always towards the same purpose. Um, so Luthen is clearly, you know, the guy with the overarching long-term plan, and he and Luthen is, you know, have him and Moth Mothma is the one who actually has the better idea of what this is going to take. Um, you know, you're not going to spend your way out of imperial domination, Mon. I'm really sorry, and I, you know, I feel bad because you have to go home every day to a husband who is 
just hot garbage. Um, <laughs> and awful things should happen to him. Um, but Luthen's right that, you know, you can't build a weapon. No one's ever built a weapon and not used it. Um, you know, if you're going to go and do these things, if you're going to link up all of these groups, at some point, you're going to have to use them to blow some stuff up. You know, some guys are going to get shot in the face, you know, whether you want it to happen or not. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting the extent to which, out of necessity, because, you know, Luthen is Axis, you know, he's at the centre of this, of this weird network. He has had to isolate himself from the realities of Grassroots Rebellion which is that it doesn't matter if, you know, there's a group run by Saul Guerrero on a planet halfway across the galaxy, because that doesn't help me here. Um, what helps me here is, you know, taking a brick and braining a stormtrooper with it. That might actually, <laughs> you know, improve my level of life, you know, momentarily. Um, you know, that riot on rebellion, that, that, that uh, riot on Ferrix is not going to overthrow the Empire because I'm pretty sure that the Empire is still a control of Ferrix at the end of it. But it's a start. It's, it's a point of going, you know what? No, you know, fight the Empire is, is, is a goal worthy in itself. So I think that Ferrix ignites something within Luthen, this idea that actually what he is trying to organize and he's trying to puppet master can happen organically and is happening organically. And they're gonna need him to link them up with all of these other organizations because he's the guy with the contacts but he can't he can't manipulate people into rebelling against the empire they have to do it organically otherwise it isn't going to work it isn't going to it isn't going to be based on anything um so ferrix and luthan can exist separate from each other but they can't win without each other and it's going to need both of them and i think that's what the point of that last arc is is that Luthen needed to see that people were willing to do this by themselves, organically, without him prodding them to do it. But the people of Ferrix are going to need to know that Luthen's going to be able to hook them up with the rest of them. You know, a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about the Rebel Alliance and thinking about the Rebel part without thinking about the Alliance part. Actually, you know, it's, it's when uh, Saw Gerrera does his People's Front of Jeddah um, speech um, to, to kind of mangle Monty Python of all of these random other guys who, you know, these people are separatists and they're idiots and these guys are, you know, only believe on, you know, shooting stormtroopers on a Tuesday, so they're morons. Um, I'm the only one who actually has, you know, purity of political insight. It just so happens that, you know, me and my merry men are also psychopaths um, <laughs> and probably, you know, definitely not the type of people you want in your house. Um, but you're going to need Saw and you're going to need the separatists and you're going to need the guy on Tuesday and you're going to need the Ferrix insurrectionists because rebellions are built on hope but they're also built on alliances and mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's the point of of Luthen's kind of awakening for it yeah the look on his face at the end of the the final episode you know yeah that that, that sums it up really well yeah I couldn't have made this it's mm -hmm. happening now in front of me maybe you know our moment has come and it's, it's not something that I could have made happen. Mm -hmm. Which means it will outlive him, because I don't remember seeing Luthen in Rogue One, and I don't remember seeing him in A New Hope either. Right. So we don't see Luthen in the original Star Wars or Episode Four. Yes. Uh, but he's a pretty central character to the Andor show. Um, so what do you think happens to him? Do you think he sacrifices himself for the Rebellion? 
I'm pretty sure I could guess where how Luthen's story is going to end. Um, oh, that's my next question. Go ahead, let me know. Okay. I think, obviously we get Ahsoka this coming year, early. Or whenever it comes out this year, and we don't get Andor until season, until 2024. I'm, well, Luthen's running a rebellion out of an art gallery, so I'm pretty sure at some point Grand Admiral Thrawn's going to rock up and rumble him. Um, because if you want to get, you know, want to spot somebody who's doing, a, you know, running something out of a museum, that seems to be the Imperial guy you'd go to. Yeah. Um, so that's my that's my suspicion. Yeah, yeah he's running a, he's running a, an insurgency out of an art gallery. Yeah, I you know I hadn't even yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope, I did not make that connection. That that's very interesting. I'll be wrong in I'll be wrong in two years time and nobody will remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It'll bring me back oh, I, to explain myself. I, I no, I like I agree with it. I oh, like I, the, I, I like I the concept. I, yep, I like it. Mm-hmm. Because I did not make that connection. Because that's obviously the next logical uh, connection here is bringing some, tying some of those pieces together. Yeah. And we know from both Rebels and from the Thrawn books that Yalaran and Thrawn have, you know, have got a connection going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just it just kind of struck me as like that. I I, I think that's where it's going. No, I like that. I, I, yeah, no, I, I do like that tie-in together. That's for sure. And yeah, and since they brought you Learn in and the ISB and everything, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now so the, get... for, for the first time, I'm suddenly excited about Andor Season 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> it means you get Thrawn first in Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and then he's an established character, which means you can have him pop up in, in other places. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Scruff, did you have any other questions? Ah, yeah, no, no. That was that was my last my last question. Pretty much is, do you think we'll get a better view of Luthen's past, and what do you think his future will be? I like the theories about him being a Jedi because of mm-hmm. his walking stick. I think yeah. that's interesting. But equally, I don't know if I, I think it would be a super interesting alternative view of a Jedi because I, if he is a Jedi, I don't want the Inquisition rocking up. I don't want Darth Vader rocking up. I just want him to carry on doing what he is. As a you know somebody who has you know force abilities, but realizes you know this is not a problem that a lightsaber will solve. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that I used to be a Jedi. Um, I mean, it's super brave hiding in plain sight on Coruscant, but hey, you know why not? There was uh, one concept I had read somewhere, and I kind of liked, which was maybe he had started, uh, you know, like maybe he'd been a Padawan at some point, but he left yeah. early. On. He left long before uh, the. Uh, events of the Clone Wars and all that, and that, uh, you know, and then, but then after post Clone Wars and Order 66, you know, and he saw what the Empire was doing, he, he kind of was like, well, somebody's got to do something. Yeah. You know, and it would explain the Kyber Crystal, the walking stick, you know, yeah. the design, the design of the walking stick, you know, and everything like that. But, um, so kind of Jedi related, but not being a Jedi, so to speak. But yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the Kyber Crystal has got me the most intrigued. What is this? What is this? What does it symbolize to Luthen, and what is you know? Why does he still have it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we could equally turn out, you know, his son trained, went off to train to be a Jedi, got horribly murdered in Order sixty six. You know, it could be anything along oh, those yeah. lines yeah. Um, of that kind of emotional connection and the like. And you know, it's not his lightsaber; it's a loved one's lightsaber. Um, that would be that would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we think that we'll probably see i would expect we'll probably they would tackle something in relations to the gorman massacre uh 
I thought that's where the first season was going. They kept mentioning Gorman over and over and over again, and I thought that's yeah. that's where this is going. This will be the thing that kind of radicalizes Mon Mothma into mm-hmm. you know realizing you can't spend your way out of this problem. Yeah. How do you think the new wrinkle of the? I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised at the end that they actually were going through with the betrothal of Mon Mothma's <laughs> daughter uh, to to the uh, to the gangster fellow there. I was I was pleasantly surprised i thought now that's a nice twist to the story uh Um, how do you think that's going to impact the story down the road so there's a big part of me that really doesn't want like the obvious trope of empire to kill daughter empire actually you know i I am entirely ambivalent if the empire want to kill my mother's husband um not only will i watch (laughs) i'll frankly i'll help um um but I don't want I don't want that obvious kind of oh my family died and that helped motivate me because Mon Mothma is already motivated and I don't think you know the the deaths of of you know loved ones is that it should be the thing that drives her that drives her forward. I think it would be far more interesting if her family ostracise her for it and go you know what we're quite happy with the empire you know it works for us. Um, you know, we still get to do all of this stuff. You are, you know, once it comes out that this is what Mon Mothma's up to behind the scenes and she has to kind of escape the Senate and all of that type of stuff, then, and, le- and has to leave her family behind, I think is more interesting and compelling as a, you know, she sheds her previous life and they carry on being, you know, reasonably happy imperialists off to the side. I found, like, a weird historical resonance in... Um, in her daughter kind of going through with this thing because there was various points when um uh, mom was talking to her to her sister um about you know it's weird that the kids are so much more into this ritual than people back on chandrilla are um because you certainly get like an element certainly within things like the british empire where certain rituals or ideas about what britain is are far stronger in the empire and the colonies than they ever ever are back in you know the metropole back in britain itself because there's a vision of what Britain is that is sold entirely to the colonies and entirely to the empire that would be unrecognisable to people living, you know, in poverty, in a slum, in Manchester or London or Birmingham or something like that in, in Britain. And I liked that idea that Chandrillans who aren't living on Chandrilla consider themselves to be more Chandrillan than people living on Chan- Chandrilla. I found that as a really interesting idea that they have no touchstone for what it means to be Chandrillan outside of these myths and rituals and fairy tales that are told to them about what Chandrilla is. And they're so strong that they can't be that they can't be broken. Because that's also a metaphor for what the Empire is. You know, it's being sold to people around the galaxy. You know, this is what the Empire is, this is what Palpatine is. I don't think it would be that recognisable to some people, you know, who are being stamped in the face by a stormtrooper 24-7 of, oh, you know, yes, as you stamp my head ever deeper into the mud, you're right, this does feel like peace and justice. Um, Thank you, sir. Please, can I have another? Um, And I I find that interesting, you know, that both Chandrilla and the Empire are as much about the stories they tell themselves as what they actually are. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Huh. Writing that down, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. Um, let's see. Uh, DB, did you have any uh, questions? 
Yeah, so, you know, Star Wars was originally a, a very clean, sanitized version of war. It was a fairy tale, and it kind of reminds me of the World War II films, you know, where, come on, boys, we're going to go save the world. And, you know, Andor is more in the trenches and the nitty-gritty, and, and you see death you know, as real as it can be in the sci-fi world, but uh, people you become attached to are shot and killed. And, and you know, my, my grandfather served in the Pacific Theater in the Second World War, and uh, he didn't like to talk about what he saw out there. And I figured this is right up your alley yeah. uh, being a historian. So I, I just was wondering, of, of all these uh, disparate ca uh, characters... Uh, do you have a favorite one in, in the Andor series? That's a really interesting one. Um, I liked Marva. I liked Marva a lot mm -hmm. as the kind of the, you know, what we see in the back, uh, you know, the flashbacks for her. You know, she's she's not in league with the Galactic Republic. She thinks they're they're dreadful. Um, and during the you know that Clone Wars period, so she's not you know she's already suspicious of you know large scale states and the like. And then as that figure that we see her when she's living on Ferrix as you know someone who is suspicious of states to begin with, but also has this kind of accumulated knowledge of um, you know different elements and different approaches to resistance and rebellion and subversion and the like and as she's aging sees her role not necessarily in you know i will throw the first molotov um despite the fact that she gets picked up nearly gets picked up for trying to find ways into the hotel to burn it down it's like oh i would have 100 percent here for you know marvel revolutionary arsonist um there's a there's a graphic <laughs> novel spin-off that i'm all in favor of um but i like that as like an alternative to mon mothma um you know you could see parts of what mon mothma will become in marvel of this kind of matriarch figure of I can tell you the things that I wish somebody had told me, but I didn't know it at the time, and you don't. But I'm old enough and I'm dead enough now that it doesn't matter that I'm going to tell you what I think needs to happen. And that that figure doesn't necessarily remind me of any like single historical figure, but rather of like a, a historical group who have been through revolutions or been through wars and like and have come out of the other side of it, you know, damaged in their own ways, but possess the knowledge that those who are growing up in the post-war period don't have because they weren't there and they need someone to go actually what this rebellion needs is your youth and it needs your enthusiasm it needs your anger what you need is my understanding of how this went last time you need to know what the end of the road looks like if you take certain decisions and because i'm old and because i'm dead i can tell you what I wish I had done now that you're in this crowd if I was at your age and I had a Molotov cocktail in my back pocket um, you know it's an explicitly violent message you know fight the empire um, but it's 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 the transfer of generational knowledge and anger to uh, to an age group who are angry without focus they don't know the things they don't know and because they don't know the things they don't know, they're not going to win um, unless someone spells it out for them and, you know, points them in a direction to go, you can, you can win if you go down this road, road, 
but there are things you need to know as you travel down it. And I thought, I thought Marvel was great. And mm -hmm. again, uh, Brasso of, you know, find you a man who is willing to carry your funeral brick and you know, smash a fascist over the head with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw um, that the actor who played him put um, an edited video of him, of that scene of the riot up on his Instagram or his Twitter account, something like that, which had um, Rage Against the Machine over the top of it. <laughs> and it is oh, yes. perfect. Um, 100% go and find that because, oh, God, it was great. All um, right, well, I know what I'm doing the rest of my day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that that's, awesome. that's uh, DB and, and Chris, that's a really good comparison that you, you just made there and some key points. Um, you know, we, we started with the original trilogy, which, like you said, the good guys were the good guys, the bad guys were the bad guys. There were, you know, it was pretty sanitized i think that's a really good word db and yeah um and then what andor is is showing us and, and in in retrospect looking at the whole show there is nobody in that show especially on the rebellion side that's not damaged no. everybody is flawed everybody is is uh dirty so to speak in terms of just there is no clean clear cut we are upright and morally virtuous yeah, and it's not going to get any better from that starting point. It's only going to get worse. Right, right. And then how do you throw, you know, how do you throw an alliance together of, of damaged people, you know? Yeah. And what an interesting concept that is. Yeah, wow. I hadn't thought about it in that perspective. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Andor really shows, you know, the reality of war. You know, if A New Hope is Cinderella, Andor is saving Private Ryan. I think yeah. of the opening shots of D-Day, you know, and like the kid getting shot through right through the forehead when yeah. he takes his helmet off. Or uh, in Rogue One, you, you have the little girl crying in the middle of the battle scene. Yes. And it's also the randomness and the kind of the banality of the violence. People just get shot. Because mm -hmm. that's what happens in wars and rebellions. You know, you're walking down the street, and some guy's going to get killed. Because that's, you know, violence begets violence. And we have a tendency to Hollywoodize it in our own minds. You know, if I think, you know, oh, I'll be able to tell when the violence breaks out because I'll be able to hear the soundtrack in the back in the background when, you know, the, the, the bass line kicks in and the yeah. ominous music starts playing. <laughs> um, but, you know, for my career as a historian i've spent 15 years reading the letters and diaries of guys fighting wars and the regularity and the unexpected nature and the boringness of explicit violence and death cannot be overstated it just happens and a guy next to you gets killed and then you've got the rest of your day and your rest of your week and the rest of your month and 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 that's that's what it is and i i got an element of that in in andor in that there's no rhyme or reason to who's going to get killed in this riot or who's going to get killed on this raid because people are just going to die because that's what happens and it's not because they made a mistake it's just because they got killed mm -hmm. just just as long as it's not the droid the droid dies, then all hell's gonna break loose. I, oh. was, I was about to suit up when they knocked over the the, the droids. Like, you know, I know, gonna, right? You could kill everybody in this crowd, and I'd be upset. But you pushed that droid over, and you, sir, have crossed the line. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, had, I, I had about as much rage there as when he punched Baby Yoda in the head in uh, Mandalorian. Yeah, 
Well, I think he represented he represented the child, the child that's that wit that's witness to all of this because that's kind of his personality, you know. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't deserve to be caught up in this, but he is unfortunately. Yeah. You know, the innocent. I guess that'd be the better word. He's the innocent. But um, yeah. Well, cool. Well, cool. Any other final thoughts about Andor as we wrap this up from anybody? I'm super looking forward to season two. <laughs> um, I think that's going to be cool. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't immediately think of of any extra bits. The thing is, yeah. in, a, in a second, one of you will say something, and then I'll have like half a dozen ideas about it because I spend right, a lot right. of time thinking about Andor, <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why I find it so compelling. Yeah, I know. I, I I'm going to admit I struggled with the first few episodes of Andor. Uh, it, it wasn't my style, but uh, now, now thanks to talking to you, Doc, I, I want to go back and binge the entire series back to back with this new perspective. So uh, I hope you're happy, Dr. Kempschel. You you've completed your duty here. Very happy, because I think the strength of Andor is that. To, to, to pull out into that kind of big overview of, okay, you know, here's the ships and the fighters and, you know, the space battles and here's an enormous ground battle. It strips away that individuality of it. You know, I want to spend three days with these people living in tents next to a goat pen because then when they go into action and they get shot, it means something rather than just, you know, an ATAT fires its guns and 50 extras get blown up into the air. It's like, wow, you know, that must have sucked for those random guys who I've never heard of, but I look forward <laughs> to reading their Wikipedia page. Because um, it's meaningless. I, I, I wanted that, you know, really zoomed in on, you know, it's this guy and he's going to get killed or he's going to shoot a guy and it's going to matter because you spent three hours with him um, in the lead up to it. I wanted, I wanted it to be dirty and grimy and right there stood next to them for the for an understanding of the stakes you know they are not trying to overthrow the entirety of the you know, the empire in one fell swoop they're not blowing up a death star here they're robbing a bank um and in the grand scheme of things you know i don't reckon that's going to bankrupt the empire mm. um so even that is meaningless in its own way except for the ripples of it which will matter in some way shape or form to the people who survived it so one of the things there was kind of a divide that came out after the show was done or even before the show was done and you had the people that were totally absolutely in love with the show and then you had fans that were saying like we talked about you know it's not star wars enough or there wasn't enough star wars in it um but the one of the common things that came out was uh, you know, there were people saying that all Star Wars should be like this from now on. You know, every Star Wars show should be like this. Um, whereas we kind of take, I know myself, I, I liked Andor, enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was nice to have a different style of show, yeah. but not everything, but I also think it showed us that not everything has to be the same. Not everything yes. has to be OT, Mando, uh, you know, Book of Boba, that kind of, st you can have in-depth, like you said, microscopic views of, of certain characters like this, but then you can still have the popcorn fun of the, uh, of the, of the other stuff. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. Because if everything is exactly like Andor, 
then you know fantastic we can all tune in on post-traumatic stress disney plus um because <laughs> it's gonna be real bleak for the for the for the coming years um you know sometimes a little bit of uplifting space pew pew lasers is good because you know there's a there's a significant part of star wars that is about hope and is about uplifting this and you know and or isn't it but it that doesn't mean that the two can't coexist with each other um and you know if they make the rogue squadron film and it's all you know tie fighters and x-wings and pew pews i imagine i'm gonna love that because i'm gonna love it on that level mm-hmm. of of it um you know you can almost look at a, a show like rebel so i'm re-watching rebels at the moment but i'm watching it with my um uh, with my partner who hadn't seen it before and there's elements within it where yeah, you know we'll end an episode and i'll go it's a kid's show because <laughs> something you know fairly bleak has happened in it but it is a kid's show because it is uplifting and it is colorful and you know bad stuff does happen because it's a war and the empire are bad and bad stuff happens but it doesn't you know, it's not Apocalypse Now. I'm not, you know, sitting there wondering at what point, you know, the final episodes of Platoon are going to suddenly, you know, play out in computer-generated cartoon characters. Um, because it can be all of those things. And I think to say that, you know, I only want Andor now strips Andor of its Andorness. Because, you know, if everything is bleak and grim, then is Andor the best bleak, grim thing that I can watch? Um, I want, I want the lot. I think Star Wars is a broad church. You can have it all. Um, and it means that when you have variations on the theme, it makes them cool and it makes them interesting. And if it's not for you, then that's fine. You know, I know people who saw them on the internet. It was like, I just, it was just too, it was too depressing for me. I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And actually, it makes perfect sense. And always quite depressing. You know, it's not like you got to the end of it and go, I feel, I feel better about the world. You know, uh, it's it's pleasing that you know all those people did those things, and I think they're all going to live happily ever after, because um, you know that's that's how stories like this end. Um, and you know, if you want your uplifting Star Wars, there is plenty of uplifting Star Wars. And I think more more Star Wars is more good. I think is probably my my viewpoint on it. Um, and yeah, you know, if if they do a dramatic tone shift in Andor season two and they turn it into I don't know. A musical or something then i'll take it on i'll take it on those terms as well maybe it'll be a really you know involving star wars musical and i'll wait to see you know if 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 that works yeah they tried that in 1978 it was called the holiday special yeah <laughs> but maybe that's how they bring back kino loy and it's synchronized with swimming and um <laughs> yeah really briefly uh, yeah, there's a good 10 really seconds great. of him waving his legs around in the eye, and then, <laughs> and then, then, it, gets, it. then it gets dark. Then real dark. <laughs> well, I, I think it also great, gives us a great, uh, you know, it gives us a great contrast now so that we can compare, you know, it, it get, you know that contrast make, can make you enjoy the other things that much even more, yeah. you know. Um, I'm really looking forward to Mando season three now. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and and you know, I when we started watching Bad Batch again, season two, you know, again that goes back to like you were saying about Rebels, but it 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 was great because it was yeah we did come out of what was Andor and and dark and depressing and and we're getting a little bit of that that fun back with Bad Batch and and it is all about you know it's giving us those highs and lows instead of just one steady uh, yeah 
steady high. And, and in retrospect, I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, so I had, oh, where, I had a final question on here regarding Andor, and now I lost it. Um, the, oh, okay. So final, final kind of question regarding Andor. We have our theory on, on this show. But when they put the headphones on uh, Bix to torture her, um, what do you think? What What do you think they were really playing uh, in the, in that scene? Uh, we 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 have a theory that they were playing um, Nickelback, and so. <laughs> See, I was thinking it was uh, endless loops of Rick Astley's uh, "Never Gonna Give You Up," and they were just. Uh, <laughs> Endlessly rickrolling her. I think it was uh, B. Arthur singing that stupid song in the cantina. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, so yeah, so that that's kind of Andor, uh, reviewing Andor. I think we've hit a lot of good points. And uh, moving forward, uh, we've we've already mentioned that, you know, Soka's coming out. We're in the middle of Bad Batch right now. Mando uh, season three is about to launch in a few weeks. Um, are there any particular projects that you're really looking forward to uh, coming down the road before Andor season two? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super interested in, in Mandalore because it's, it's really close now. It's like super close. It's next month or so. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, really, really interested and, and, and ready for that. Um, really looking forward to Ahsoka. Um, principally because Ahsoka has that, that unknown element to it. You know, what is the show actually about? You know, we can say, you know, at the top level, you know, the hunt for Ezra Bridger, you know, pretty sure that Thrawn's going to be in it in some way, shape, or form. But we don't know what the show's going to be about in the same way that we didn't know what Mandalorian season one was going to be about. Um, you know, we all kind of assumed Bounty Hunter, you know, episode of the week, different stuff. And then we ended up with something completely, completely different. So that's kind of what I'm I'm intrigued by Ahsoka. I'm, I'm intrigued by the un the unknownness of it um, is what I'm looking forward to. Um, aside from, I mean, I'm, at some point I'm going to have to try and figure out a way to, to get hold of um, Jedi Survivor, the computer game, um, mm. when that comes out. Um, but you know, there's a part of me that still thinks it's like 1997, and I can go into a, into town and buy a computer game for 30 pounds and right. put it in my computer, and it will just play fine. And like, and I know that's not the case. And I'm gonna, you know, if I want to play, it, I need to spend 500,000 pounds on the most up-to-date PlayStation 29 or whatever it is these days <laughs> um, to to play, it, and that's gonna be annoying. Um, and I hate being annoyed. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of the things that I'm that I'm quite keen on, and I'm and I'm quite looking forward to. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, definitely we're uh, looking forward. To, I know I'm looking forward to Mando season, and yeah, I think Star Wars has been, I think the best thing Disney can Disney has done with Star Wars is when they don't tell us too much about yeah. what's coming, and and they don't give us expectations. Um, even as much as Scruffy and I were at, at Star Wars Celebration when we got to see the sizzle reel for. Mando before it ever came out and oh, cool. even still with that sizzle reel and listening to Favreau uh, talk about the show and everything it still was 
yeah, all we just knew was the story about a Mandalorian that wasn't Boba Fett, basically. Yeah, it could be about and, anything. You could be going shopping for all we know. Exactly, and and that's what I I I love, and I and I I know that's why people worried. I think about Andor was you know that they was gonna be okay. We already know how the story ends. Are you really gonna tell us anything new? Yeah. Um, and when they can go into that, I'm kind of looking forward to Skeleton Crew now because I don't yeah. know I don't know anything about it other than Jude Law's in it, and where's it? And it's going to be in another part of the galaxy, they say. Yeah. Uh, so bring it on. Give us, yeah, exactly. Give us and um, yeah, and Ahsoka. You know, there's been rumors, kind of a Disney version of Heir of the Empire. Who knows? Um, but again. I don't want to know ahead of time, like no. I said. So. I want to. I want to see it when I sit down and watch it. And right. you know, Twitter just shut up for fifteen minutes <laughs> when I wake up, so I can find out what's going on in in the TV show that I do actually want to watch. Right. Right. Yeah. I can't jump. I have to get up at like four a.m. or five a.m. and watch in before because otherwise, yeah, I'll accidentally hit Twitter before that if I don't, and then then it's all That's over. Unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so, okay, uh, rolling into collection corner, guys. Uh, anybody, have you added anything to your collections recently? Uh, well, Wednesday was new comic book day. I could not resist the temptation. Uh, I picked up the new uh, series coming out, uh, Santa Staros. I thought you weren't going to get that. Oh, oh, there it is, right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought I wasn't going to get that too, but um, yeah. But here we go are. Ahead. Uh, go ahead, uh, yeah, and, and yet here we are. So ask me how that worked out for me. Uh, aside from that, uh, I really have not. I sold a couple things from the collection um, so that we can fund the uh, ICC trip. Wow. So I sold a little bit of my soul this week. Uh, I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> the items are still here, so it's not like... It's uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Until I have to let them go in a couple weeks. Uh, so, yeah. That's all I got. BB? Yeah, so I'm still on my uh, spending moratorium, saving money up for ICCC in Nashville. I have a few boxes here from a couple of uh, big box vendors uh, that we won't name uh, that I have... St- Still yet to open. Plus, I have boxes of things left from Christmas time I haven't even gone through yet. So, uh, been a good boy this week. But I, oh, I got to tell you, um, Brownie Four has uh, one of her social studies classes is learning about free markets, and they're having uh, miniature sales within their rooms. And she did purchase a um, oh a little three inch monochromatic blue mando that had been 3d printed um and it's it's pretty sweet and it's on my shelf next to my other collectibles and i'm just very proud that she thought of me when she was doing her class project that's very cool that's awesome she still loves her dad chris how about you anything nothing hugely recent so um I've been playing uh, the board game Imperial Assault with um, a friend. Um, I played it previously with a, with a kind of a wider group of friends, uh, but one of my friends moved reasonably close by, so we've been kind of carrying on. So I got one of the expansions for that uh, recently, which means that I can start um, playing with some of my my other little little 
like villain expansions for it. It's it's a super fun, cool game. I really, really like Imperial Assault. Um, I'm holding out for like the collected editions of the Crimson Empire, Crimson Dawn comics because I just can't keep up. Just kind of buying an issue at a time. And like I know that I'm like traveling like a six month lag or so, but. You know, I've reconciled myself to that. I'm a historian. I'm always living in the past anyway. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I saw, I saw a couple of things that I really want to get, and I, I just, I just don't know how I can justify them so, myself. For oh, so they, go, they, let's they, talk it out. I can help you justify it. No problem. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, what your viewers can't see is behind me. I because I moved house since I last spoke to you. Is I've got this cabinet here, which has got a variety of like Star Wars stuff and some like Games Workshop Warhammer figures I've painted in it. It's already kind of full um <laughs> so there's a limit there but the lego brought out the a tie bomber which is super cool and it's got ray sloan as a little mini figure in it and it's got a gonk droid in it as a little mini Ooh. figure in it so i automatically I want it um, yeah so do i but they've also just announced so the the the, the star wars um action figures are based on either like comics or the like so i've got like the, the darth vader in white armor from the star wars infinities um, comic series which is super cool which I got there's a shopping centre semi nearby that has a shop there which often gets them in and they've just announced um, like a Darth Vader Revenge of the Jedi figure from you yeah. know before it got turned in I thought that's kind of cool I don't I don't need it but I do want it you do need and it and those are two different things <laughs> no no they are not the, they are not different things they're the same um, and I got from the man from last season of um, Mando the the artillery stormtrooper, the one with the yellow Ooh. piping and the like, a little mm-hmm. while back. Mm-hmm. It's just a cool stormtrooper variant, and he's got a little mortar, and yeah, it just it, it it appealed to my sense of yeah, that's that's a thing that now exists in my house. Yeah, that I'm is awesome. Looking forward to season three for the merchandise as well. So we'll yeah. see what all kind of new figures they come out with. So, um, well, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't added anything this week other than. I don't know. I play Galaxy of Heroes online, so uh, added a few. Ca- I think I just got Django Fett last night. So um, I have shown uh, a Herculean restraint from not just throwing mind, body, soul, and wallet into that game. Because every time, yeah. like Kristen Baver mentions it on like this week in Star Wars, that does look cool. Yeah, why wouldn't mm-hmm. I want a little, a little emperor to, to electrocute people within a computer game? But no, this way, this way, <laughs> madness lies, Chris. You have a job. You have a life. Yeah. You have a spot. Yeah, just, just yeah. walk away, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I fell down that rabbit hole. So, um, and then uh, Scruffy, did you you want to kind of reveal who? Last episode we talked about the blue cape looking uh, in ICC's teaser uh, post that they were going to reveal for their next guest. And did you want to kind of go who through that was? Absolutely. Uh, so yes, uh, I guessed it based on the image that was there. It was just kind of a blue shaded. Uh, it there's no way to really tell who it was, but I did guess it was Simon Williamson. Uh, Simon Williamson was the actor who played Max Rebo in Return of the Jedi, and of course that was a that the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi was a big hint, obviously as well. It's got to be somebody from Jedi. I'm sure they're going to focus a lot of attention on that. And uh, so we are looking forward to meeting and getting an autograph from Mr. Simon Williamson. And then, of course, uh, our other our other guest uh, there that uh, they've announced so far, Jimmy V. 
Yep, Jimmy V was um, R2D2 in the uh, the new trilogy, or well, yeah, the sequel trilogy, uh, specifically uh, Revenge of the or Rise of Skywalker, the best one of all three of those movies. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, somebody. <laughs> no, you're good. All right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a road I don't need to walk down. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. It's just... uh, it's, and so far, that's pretty much all they've announced. Uh, they've uh, announced the. Uh, um, what will be some of the uh, custom figures exclusive to ICC, uh, which is a pretty cool setup. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sounds like the three of us. There you, there you go. <laughs> uh, which is um, the Marshal, uh, Cad Bane, and Greedo. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, gonna, it's looking like it's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Um,. You know, I will say that's funny you mentioned Greedo because in that Galaxy of Heroes games, he's kind of a frustrating character because he always shoots second in that game, and it's just really nice. If you if you auto if you auto play him, he throws a grenade first and then he shoots in his second round, and it's just kind of frustrating. But I like how committed they are to that bit, though. I'd be annoyed yes. if they didn't do that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so See, I have uh, not I have not even tried this yet. I don't even want to know. No, you don't want to go wa- down there. You've got enough on your plate already. You don't need this, believe me. You, you, you ah, don't. You it's don't. super tempting. Super tempting. Um, so, uh, and then talking about conventions, uh, you are getting Star Wars Celebration this year over there on on your side. Super excited. Excited both to go and excited to go without jet lag. Um, yeah, no kidding. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> which was just crippling in LA last year. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, bet. I am... I am super excited. Um, are, are you guys flying over for it? No. We no, will not. No, I will not. Yeah. I would love uh, to, but... but... Uh, some friends of the show are, though. Um, Duel of the Ranks. Um, Adam uh, Brody and uh, Christian from... Uh, they've been on our show. We've been on their show. They're, they're some, some, uh, some good group of people. Uh, their show is all about... they episode by episode or movie by movie they actually give a hard score to oh, whatever fun. it is yeah yeah it's, it's it's a good show i've enjoyed it i've been following them all along they're a little bit younger than us in terms of uh how long their show's been out uh but they they do a good job and like i said we, we talk all the time and uh they're they're out of nebraska i think it is and uh they're coming all the way out for the, it'll be their first celebration so i'm excited for them um and then uh yeah, in terms of friends of the show, I know that's yeah, that's gonna be so. Uh, but yeah, they've started announcing guests for that, which is kind of cool. So, uh, are you planning on getting any autographs or seeing any of them? Or I don't know. I was super tempted when I was in LA to try and get Ian McDermott's, um as the Emperor for a variety of reasons. Firstly, because it's Ian McDermott, and I think mm-hmm. he's fantastic, he's a brilliant character. But also, um, over here in England, he's he's you know yeah. A well-known Shakespearean actor and the like, and he's appeared in a variety of other kind of TV shows or, or miniature films and like, including a couple like set in the First World War, which you know lands directly into my uh, into my uh, area of interest. So it's like, oh, fantastic! I can get you know all of these reasons and then just freak him out uh, by asking him questions about you know being Emperor Palpatine and also fighting the First World War, um, which you know <laughs> definitely what he wants more like a Tuesday. Um, right. But I just I couldn't justify the expense for it because you know it's a lot of money uh, to get the, to oh, get yeah. 
the, the autographs and the like, and I don't know if I'll, I probably won't. Um, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of loiter and hope that I can, you know, see them in passing or something like that. Or, I don't know, maybe I'll ask one of the random, like, LucasArts authors and like if they can hook me up with something in, in, in things. Yeah, I, I'll admit that uh, I, I splurged last year at ICCC uh, to have my picture with Ian McDiarmid and Anthony Daniels. There have been others on the way, but I found them all to be super fan-friendly, super accessible. I mean, I, I'm sure we're just, you know, another middle-aged nerd to them, uh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been pleasantly surprised. In the, I don't doubt all of these people are, you know, going to be incredibly nice, but also, it's just, yeah, you know... If, if you know somebody pays me two hundred pounds for a photograph, I'll be as charming as you want me to be. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's that element of it. But Andrew, and we actually we found we had a lot of fun just loitering at I Triple C. Uh, we we ran into people and met people, and the smoking bench was actually the most pop best place to to meet people because. <laughs> oh uh, my word. Uh, DB was meeting all sorts of people out there and getting us hooked up uh, to you know quick little interviews and stuff because uh, just sharing a smoke outside. Yeah, yeah. nicotine's yeah. a great leveler. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm taking up smoking uh, for, for, the week, for the weekend, just for that weekend. <laughs> for any of your listeners who are going to be at Celebration, I'm pretty sure I'm doing a fan panel at least, which is going to be about like history and Star Wars and stuff like that, which I oh, very approved cool. recently. I think that's going to be on one of the fan stages. I can't remember which one, and I can't. I don't think they've sorted out the schedule for it. So yeah, I'll you know I'll be there for at least that. I'll be knocking about. If people see me, maybe I'll see if I can get my academic publishers to do some like leaflets with discount codes. So if you see me, just come say just like, come and say hi anyway. Um, yeah. And if you want like a cheap book, then definitely come and say hi. Again, <laughs> yeah. You know, in exchange for you buying a book, I will be as charming as you. Want <laughs> yeah. If I could get to London, uh, I would come see you, and I would definitely bring my own book for an autograph. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally That's would. Cool. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, and anything regarding to what you're doing there, let us, uh, is, I'm sure you'll post it up on Twitter and we'll definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if I we'll, hear about anything else that's happening or I'm doing a thing, then I will 100% let people know. Yeah, and we'll definitely spread that word to, to all of our listeners as well, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, great. Very cool. Very cool. All right, guys. Uh, anything else before we uh, call it a day? I have a question for the doctor, and this is yes. the oh, most important go. question you'll be asked all night. Have you seen the cinematic classic Battle Beyond the Stars? <laughs> I don't think I have. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. <laughs> so we we started a new segment uh, this year on our show DB's Blockbusters, and we're we do little <laughs> uh, we do five to ten minute reviews of. Uh, other older sci-fi movies, things. DB used to manage a blockbuster uh, back in the day, and so we kind of, you know, movies that would have been rented uh, from from blockbuster. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, <laughs> that was rented. <laughs> so basically, so, uh, we had ten minutes worth of Star Wars content and forty-five minutes listening to me complain about having to watch that movie. That's pretty much how that episode went. That sounds like a perfect episode. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, yeah. that's, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it was a Roger Corman movie. Uh, yeah, his his knockoff of uh, of Star Wars, and it was no, yeah, it's Star pretty Trek. It, it's pretty bad, but yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was the movie where James Cameron cut his teeth on special effects. So Ooh, yeah, so it has yeah. A ripple effect. Thankfully, so, yeah. uh, thankfully he got it together. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's where he and Galen Hurd met, and so and then they became the power couple that they became, and and kind of he went on after that to do Terminator and Abyss and all of that. So, um, you know, so there's definitely some. The movie needs to exist for a reason, you know, because yeah. it, 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 it fed on to other stuff. But yeah, we've done, we've done, uh, uh, what have we done so far, guys? They Live, uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, and Tron. Tron. Right? Yep. Tron. So. That's a nice mix. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Battle, or um, They Live, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was epically cheesy, classic movie from you know the eighties or yeah eighties. So I'm pretty it. sure I have seen at least some of They Live. I can't immediately remember the details, mm-hmm. but I do remember having watched it, yeah. which I think might be the kind of reaction that they're going for, like a general acceptance that you've experienced it without remembering any of the salient details. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. Yeah. Tron. So. Tron was awesome. I always loved Tron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tron's a great film. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, we were. Uh, the missus was playing some YouTube videos of the old video game last night, and uh, while we were having dinner. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, any other final questions before we wrap up for 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 Doc, guys? Anything before we go? Yeah, Doc, when can you come back? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as there's more Star Wars content to chat about, I imagine yeah. it will not be difficult to get me back on. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we will definitely get that scheduled. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, where can, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll put up anything in terms of Star Wars celebration that you're going to do, but where else can uh, our listeners find you? You can continue to find me. I mean, you know, I, I haven't checked Twitter in the hours that we've been recording, so I'm assuming it's still a thing. Um, but that's that's become less <laughs> of a given than it used to be. Um, right. So, you can still find me on Twitter at Chris Kempshaw. That's pretty much the best place to find information about anything Star Wars fun that I might be thinking about or you know I've show his thought I've got a book his thought so yeah at Chris Kempshaw on on Twitter is probably probably the best place to to track me down for unfolding Star Wars related news and thoughts very cool all right well with that uh you know where to find us if you're listening to the show you know where to find us if not you want to listen to spend uh, three more minutes to listening to something after just listen to the credits on this show and you will uh find out where to to follow us so um with that we will get out of here tonight guys Uh, so this is brown leader signing off and you have been listening to hyperspace heroes that's That's no moon moon. Hyperspace Heroes podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and most other podcast services. If we are not on your service of choice, let us know. To leave your five-star review, just click on the review button on your podcast service of choice and praise us to the maximum character limit available. To contact the show to comment, ask a question, suggest a conversation topic, or just to tell us how handsome we are, you can send us a DM on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You can also email us at brownsquadron at gmail.com. Star Wars, its characters, shows, movies, books, etc. You get it. 
Our properties of Lucasfilm and Disney. Hyperspace Heroes podcast has no affiliation with Lucasfilm and Disney, although we would very much like to. Hyperspace Heroes podcast comments and opinions are ours alone and the show is for entertainment purposes only. This is so we cannot be held liable when we say something dumb. If you're still listening at this point, we would like to say thank you for joining us on this exposition into a galaxy far, far away, and we appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you'll share the show with other fans and that you'll tune in again for the next episode. Hyperspace Heroes Podcast, The Legend of Brown Squadron. That's no moon! Sorry, he burped.